Close before we look further at God's word together. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for Good Friday, uh, a sobering day but also a joyful day when we reflect on all that Jesus has done for us. As we go back to your word now and reflect on your promises and their fulfillment in Christ, please we pray, encourage deeper and more joyful faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Amen. Uh, Recent decades have witnessed, of course, a phenomenal growth in both the mass media and information accessibility. And with this has come a heightened awareness of the brokenness of our societies and of our world. Uh, Each successive generation of politicians promises solutions, but sadly only to disappoint. Consequently, uh, cynicism runs high. Yet there is still something in us, is there not, which harbors the hope that things could be different. In his 2010 revised edition of his book, Soul of a Citizen, Paul Leob made the following comments one year into the Barack Obama's first term as president. And he said this, When America elected Barack Obama, cynicism seemed in retreat, beaten back by a wave of ordinary people staking their time, money and spirit on the prospect of significant change. We seemed to have reached a major historical turning point, offering the chance finally to address our country's root crises. But now, cynicism and despair have bounced back on steroids, as if to mock any new hope that we can create a better world. Last year's soaring expectations seem distant memories, leaving a bitter taste." Well, Obama's presidential successor, Donald Trump, connected himself with an anti-establishment sentiment that ran deep and wide. And maybe here in Donald Trump was a leader who could bypass the normal channels and get things done. Well, uh, bypassing the normal channels he has tried to do with limited success. Getting worthwhile things done, well, the jury's out on that. However, Every now and then, an outstanding leader does emerge onto the world stage. A Gandhi, a Mandela, but sadly, they don't live forever. And they are followed by less gifted successes. If only, if only there were someone who could sort things out truly, madly, deeply. Uh, Someone who could address the intractable issues of the selfish gene in the human heart, Uh, someone who could take on evil and defeat it and banish it, someone who could save the environment, somebody who could put the world right. The 39 books of the Old Testament scriptures were written over many centuries by many different people. However, one of the threads running through all of them is this, the promise that one day somebody would come who would finally sort all things out. Uh, It's an expectation which we come across as early as the third chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3. The promise there of one day somebody who would come who would crush the serpent, the devil. As time goes on through the Old Testament era, the portrait of this one to come develops 
This person will be a prophet who will bring us the truth from God. This person will be a priest who will deal with our wrongdoing and provide forgiveness through dying for us. This person will be a king who will defeat all evil and who once raised to life would rule over the world made new forever. In the Old Testament, when a king was anointed, uh, he was anointed with olive oil at his coronation. And so, this one who was to come was known as the anointed one. Uh, The Hebrew word for anointed one is the Messiah. The Greek word is Christos, the Christ. The message of the New Testament is is that the Messiah, the Christ, has now come. In first century, uh, ripples of amazement and excitement spread throughout Palestine. In John's Gospel, chapter 1, we witness a Galilean fisherman blurting out the most staggering news to his brother. John 1, verse 41. We have found the Messiah. That is the Christ. Uh, The next day, with a trembling voice, a man called Philip relayed this breaking news to his friends Nathaniel. John 1, verse 45. We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. In John chapter 4, we are taken to a dusty desert well where a woman and a man speak. And the woman puts hope to the words to the hope of her scriptures. John 4, verse 25. I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And then the man utters words which leave her utterly stunned. John 4 verse 25. I who speak to you am he. Fast forward a couple of years and this man is on trial for his life. He is facing blasphemy charges. The high priest acting for the prosecution poses the killer question. Mark 14, verse 61. Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? And the man replies very simply, Mark 14, 62. I am. The long wait has come to an end. The wait for the Messiah, the promised Christ... And yet the wait has a dramatic conclusion. On that first Good Friday, the promised king is killed. The Lord of life willingly surrenders his life to bring us life, eternal life. And the hopes harbored in every heart for one who can put the world to right have now been met in the coming of the Christ, the Messiah, Jesus. Many today would acknowledge that this would be something to get excited about if it were true. But there is the rub. Uh, Cynicism often today wins the day. Uh, Surely such claims are pure fantasy. Many would place the claims of Jesus as the one who can ultimately fix the deepest problems of our heart and our world in the category of Hollywood make-believe in the same category as Superman. Many would say it's fable or fiction, but it's not fact. So the question, and the very reasonable question is, where is the evidence that it is true? 
Well, the evidence is actually very compelling. Uh, Towards the end of John's Gospel, uh, we read this, and it gives the very reason the Gospel itself was written. John 20, verse 30. Uh, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Why has John gone to the written trouble of writing his gospel? They are written that you, the readers, may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life, life in his name. Uh, You could say that the gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they are first century eyewitness testimonies about Jesus being the Christ, the Messiah. Uh, They contain his life, his teaching, his miracles, his death, and his resurrection. Uh, We weren't, of course, there at the time of Jesus, but these people were. And they have written down their testimonies that we who are not there might be able to believe. And hundreds of millions of people over the centuries since have done exactly that put their faith in Jesus as their Messiah, their Christ. So you see, there is good evidence for faith. I don't know if you've seen the film, uh, The Usual Suspects. Uh, The key question in this film is the identity of a mysterious figure known as Kaiser Soze. Uh, Kaiser Soze is a crime lord with legendary powers. And the whole film is taken up with the question of who he really is. At the end of the film, a picture comes through on the fax machine in the police station. It's a sketch done by a police artist based on a description of Kaiser Soze by a dying man who saw him. And when the artist's sketch rolls out of the machine, there is no doubt who Kaiser Soze is. It's a picture of... I won't spoil it for you. I suggest you see the film. But the point is this, out of the Old Testament fax machine comes a very detailed composite portrait of the Messiah, drawn by the Old Testament writers. And it's not what he would look like, but what he would be like and what he would do. He would be a prophet, a priest and a king. He would be born in Bethlehem. He would heal the sick. He would give sight to the blind. He would feed the hungry. He would even raise the dead. He would be betrayed by a close friend. He would die for our sins. But he would be raised alive after three days. It was all there in the Old Testament. And you see, the people in the first century weren't stupid. Holding this portrait sketch, there was no doubt that there was a perfect match with the person right in front of them, Jesus. We have found the Messiah. And they were so convinced that they were prepared to die for it. But if Jesus really is the promised Messiah, the question that looms large is this. How come the world is still in such a mess? Well, the answer is this. We need to understand that his coming sorts out things in two stages. 
His first coming was to die for sins so we can be forgiven by God and we can know God. His second coming is when he will finally sort out all things and get rid of evil and he will reign over a world made new. But why should we be bothered as to whether or not Jesus is the Christ? And the answer is this. Because of what is at stake for each and every person. Uh, John's Gospel was written, and I again quote from what I said in John 20, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Do you see? Uh, Whether or not we believe in Jesus as the Messiah, the Christ, is a matter of life and death for us. Eternal life, or eternal death for us. And by believing in him, by trusting in him, we have that life. As a child myself, uh, my heart would leap with joy at the question posed to me, what do you want for your birthday? Uh, When I'm asked the same question these days, my heart tends to shudder with a sense of anxiety. I now have everything I need. What on earth can I ask for? I can't say socks and underpants. I said that last year and the year before. But I don't want to end up with an unwanted gift. What a dilemma. Uh, It's actually, of course, a first world problem, I grant you. Many people today feel the same way with Jesus' offer of life. Life is the one thing I got. So surely it's pointless offering me what I already have. It's going to be an unwanted gift. But we need to understand this. By life, John's gospel doesn't mean physical life. It means eternal life. The life God made us to enjoy. Eternal life is both quality and quantity. It's quality, it's true life. Life knowing the God for which we are made to know. And it's quantity, it's life that goes on beyond the grave. It's life, joyous life in God's eternal kingdom. Ultimately, it's life in the new world made new. That world in which Jesus the Messiah will reign over all who are his people. So, the people who will enjoy life in the new world are people who are trusting in Jesus now as their Messiah. That's why the stakes are so high. So, who is going to sort out this world? Who is going to sort out your world? Uh, Some do put their hopes in this or that leader. Some do put their hopes in a special person in their life. But in the end, ultimately they are disappointed. Others have given up hope that there ever will be a solution. They're resigned to leaving that to the fictional world of Hollywood. But the Bible says the promised Messiah has come. And the experience of those first disciples back then can be ours today. Millions of people have made that same exciting discovery. I found the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. Is he your Messiah? As I close, uh, I want to comment just briefly on how faith in the Messiah is fertilized. Faith in the Messiah is fertilized 
through the rich soil of God's Word, the Bible. Uh, It's so invigorating to read in the Old Testament about the promises made which now fit perfectly with Jesus. And therefore, uh, next week, we're going to put our current series in uh, the New Testament letter of Romans on hold, and we're going to start a new short series in the Old Testament letter of Leviticus. It's a book of the law in the Old Testament. And we're going to work with Leviticus and see how the law and the prophets pointed to Jesus, the Messiah. So please do come back. Join us for our short little mini-series next week, starting in Leviticus. But it's also exciting to see how the New Testament gospel writers, how they present this good news of Jesus and connect with the Old Testament. Uh, So why not read uh, one of the gospel accounts? Uh, This here is, uh, word for word, uh, Mark's gospel, uh, taken out of the New Testament, uh, just printed separately so it's easier to carry. But it's word for word the same. Uh, Please take one of these. They are free. They're at the back on the table. And read through Mark's gospel and find out what it says about Jesus, the promised Messiah and King. Jesus is indeed the promised Messiah. Uh, His death on that first Good Friday is the death of the promised Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And his death has put in motion a chain of events that will ultimately climax in the renewal of the whole world. Let me therefore thank God in prayer for keeping his promises and sending the Messiah, Jesus. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you that you are a God who has been sovereignly overseeing and sovereignly working out your purposes throughout human history. Throughout the Old Testament era, you promised the Christ, the Messiah, the King, the Prophet, and the Priest, who would ultimately fix the problems of our hearts and the world. And in Jesus, you have wonderfully fulfilled that promise. Thank you for Jesus. And please, we pray, fertilize faith in our hearts through the reading of your word as we reflect and see your glorious promises and all they mean for us in the present, but also for the future, in the renewed creation. Amen.